0: You're listening to Grace for the Grind, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. We're here to encourage and equip you through the ups and downs of life and ministry, because each of us needs some grace
1: for the grind. Hello and welcome to episode 134. I'm Mike Natal. I'm Ryan Nilsen. And I'm Dan Stenberg. And we are back. It is good to be able to record this podcast. We are happy that we uh, have you guys tuning in and listening. It has been a grind. And some could say we need some grace for that. And so if you've noticed, maybe (laughs) you've seen there is a slight change. If you follow us on Facebook, you might have seen... What is this new thing that we see on Facebook that is no longer the CLB Forge podcast? You may have noticed that the logo has changed and the wording has changed, but we wanted to tell you that we're still the same podcast. We're still going to do things fairly similar. We are just changing things up a little bit, and we're going to tell you a little bit about that, but before we get to it, we figured that we would bring back the question of the day.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: And so our question of the day today is brought to you by myself. I came up with it. We're going to change it probably fairly often. And my question to you guys is, what is your favorite leisure activity? So as you guys have a little bit of time to ponder that, like, what do you like to do to have fun?
0: Does it have to be physical?
1: It does not. So here's one of my new favorite leisure activities. All right. I'll share mine first and then you guys can share. I have reinvigorated my passion for Legos. Oh, dude. As a kid, I used to love doing Legos. As a person who struggles with ADHD, Legos were one of the few things that my parents could put in front of me that I was able to completely zone in and focus on until I accomplished that task. And I have now kind of reinstilled that in myself. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Legos now has this, like, 18-plus age category, and (laughs) they're calling people who enjoy doing that kidults. I don't know if you guys have heard of kidults yet or not. No. The kidult? Yeah, kidult. I
0: saw that on, like, the Today Show. I was like, get out of here, kidult.
1: Yeah, kidult. Kidult. And so, like, Lindsay and I have found joy in doing Legos together. And now Legos do these like crazy things. So we actually have plants in our house that are completely made out of Legos. And I'll put some pictures in the comments below so that you guys can see what I'm talking about. But one of my leisure activities now that I've kind of gotten back in my life is Legos. I love it. It's so much fun. What about you guys?
0: Legos are fantastic, man. Yeah. My wife actually gave me the Millennium Falcon from episode like seven or something so it's not the super fancy crazy one but i have the millennium falcon and i have the mandalorians uh razor crest and they're both sitting on my shelf that my boys don't get to play but like christmas is basically just lego time at our house as far as leisure activities for myself though, like i i do enjoy putting together legos man i i read a lot of like fantasy books so like swords and dragons and orcs and elves and dwarves and all the super nerd stuff, like that um, stuff, is fantastic. I've got I've got a few authors that I just really, really appreciate, and that's like my escape. That or it's or it's video games. Like it's one of the. And if I'm playing video games, I'm usually playing a game that has swords and magic and orcs and that kind of stuff in it too. So yeah, I, I escape to my fantasy worlds for my leisure activities because I'm really cool. Nice,
2: Ryan. I would have to say right now, I think my favorite activity or leisure hobby is probably skiing. There are some great like little family mountains nearby that don't charge an arm and a leg. And my kids are old enough now to ski with me. And it's it's just a really enjoyable pastime. So that for me right now is my probably my favorite thing. Nice. Great question, Mike.
1: Nice man. Yeah. So like I said, we're probably going to be changing the questions fairly often. Uh, Maybe by the next episode, somebody's going to be asking a different question, but we'll see how it goes. So if you've noticed, you'll probably see that our new name is Grace for the Grind. And in order to explain to you guys and gals who are listening where we kind of came up with that and the main reason behind it is I'm going to pass it over to Dan and he's going to. Talk through it, and Ryan and I are going to kind of interject, and we're just going to enjoy a little bit of conversation before we get into our main topic today.
0: Yes, so why the name change? I mean, a big part of it was so that we could avoid the confusion with the website. The Forge is ultimately a website designed to facilitate the sharing of information and ideas between people in ministry, particularly within the Lutheran Brethren. And having the podcast, share the Name, helped with brand recognition initially, but eventually it's just kind of gotten confusing. And so when we say The Forge, people think the podcast when we're really meaning like the website. And so it's important to kind of get some some variation there and, and to have those two be separate. We also wanted to be able to take a bit more of a pastoral approach to coming alongside people amidst their Christian walk and their ministry. We want to help and to equip, but we also recognize that like none of this is easy and most of us are going to fail and probably many times in the things that we feel called to do and also in the things that we struggled to do. And so Grace for the Grind allows us to take more of a law gospel approach. We have our instruction, our equipping, but we also have our times of vulnerability and we'll also be shining the light of of grace on the struggle as well. And so what's going to look different during this? Like how how are things going to be different? Instead of just strictly doing interviews, we'll be doing more of a roundtable discussion of the topics. There will still be interviews. We're still going to be talking to to other people besides the three of us. But typically, when there wasn't a guest, it was two people interviewing Ryan or two people interviewing like someone else. We're kind of moving away from that more into like just three pastors being vulnerable, sharing where they haven't handled something well and and where they have, and so we'll be given grace for the grind to each other as well. And so that's basically the direction that we're headed and what this is going to look like.
2: Yeah, well said. I like that we're giving it a name that ties to our purpose and focus. I think that's great.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to see how God's going to use this next chapter as we kind of move ahead into this new season. I think that as we go, you'll notice, like Daniel's saying, there's going to be a lot of similarities between what the forge did and what we're going to continue to do. And you'll also notice that there's going to be a couple additions that we hope that as we add them you're going to be super encouraged by them. And you'll notice them as we kind of go through it. And we just hope that it's going to bring you some encouragement. It's going to empower you. It's going to move you guys forward and propel you into the many opportunities that we have in order to further God's kingdom in the locations where you all find yourselves at. And so as we do that, I think this is a great time that we can transition in. Unless, Daniel, you had something else that you wanted to say.
0: Nope, I'm good. This is transition time.
1: What if I have something to... It doesn't matter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Well, I don't anyway. See, okay. so okay. It's, okay. all
1: you're yeah. doing is busting my chops.
2: <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> that. That's great. We need more of
1: that, which is good. Especially because most of the time, it was mainly just me telling you how much Star Trek is far don't, inferior to Star don't. Wars.
2: Oh.
0: I mean, some realities don't have to be spoken often it's just no. the truth
2: yeah why do you guys have to keep bringing that up why why do you do that to me and you're because wrong because light but, but light why? just
0: comes to the surface man like it's not, that was that was a mixing <laughs> of metaphors you screen doors on battleships like that's just how it goes but yeah
1: all right well let's move ahead into our roundtable discussion uh today we find ourselves talking about community and so, Daniel, if you kind of want to set us up and bring us into these conversations as we discuss more about community, what do you got to say?
0: We just thought it would be good to take a look at the importance of community at our churches. So before we can really talk about that though, we need to define what community is. So when we're when we say that community in our churches is important, what are we talking about? What is community?
2: When I think of community, I think about people that have something in common. They're sharing something. Mm-hmm. In the church setting, it's our mission. It's our ministry. And I think the word fellowship, like community, they've been dumbed down over time. So like mm-hmm. fellowship has come to mean having coffee and having small talk. And really fellowship is about having ministry in common, doing ministry together. Mm-hmm. That's at the heart of fellowship, like a mission together, a quest together. And I think communities like that too. We think it's just about people small talking. But I think there's qualities about knowing each other on a deeper level and having our mission in common.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think community, especially in a Christian setting, in a church setting, has to do with groups of individuals who come together with the common goal of living life together. Now, that can have a host of different characteristics, you know, you can come together And you can pray with each other. You can come together. You can share burdens with each other. You can also do outreach together as a community. I think that it is a group that has a common drive and goal that gets together in order to spur each other on so that we can further the kingdom of God in our areas. Now, a community can be very general as well, I think. Sure. Yeah. You know, like if you live in a gated community, the only commonality there is that you live in the same location. You are within that gated community unless you make that community more. Maybe you have a block party. Maybe you have people over from your community and then you're building almost a a smaller nucleus that is still community. And so we're kind of defining this word in a number of different ways. So hopefully, Daniel, you have a more concise definition that we can kind of run and riff off of
0: i do but now i'm a little nervous because i think like ryan's gonna be like that's the lame version man like that's not
1: it's, it's not deep enough it. but let's that's a okay
0: <laughs> yeah no like that oh, that's, man. it's totally good man it's fine how the church responds to each other and to those who are coming in the doors for the first time like what is ooh, the, the ooh. feel of your church when people come in for the first like What is the community of your church like? How does the church respond to each other, whether that's in mission together or whether that's like, are they sitting next to each other in the pews? Do they each have their own space in the pew that they're not? like? How does the church respond to each other and how does it respond to those who are coming in the doors for the first time? What is the community that you have built at the church that you're at? And we all, every church has a community. Like that's not something that we're getting, we can't get away from that. Every church has its own community, and so we get to the question: So, what is the community of our church, right? What does the community in our church look like? And that's something that each of us has to think about. But as we think about shaping the communities of our churches, right? Because I think that we can all recognize that not every community is healthy. I, we've been working on the community in our church, but that doesn't mean that we're at a healthy, like where we want to be yet. We haven't arrived. We we haven't gotten there. We're not fully sanctified in what our community looks like at, at the church that I'm at. Yeah. So. As we think about the forming and the formation of community, why do we think that this community is important? Like, what about the community that we're building? Like, what are we trying to reach? Why is community important?
1: I think community is important for multiple reasons. I think one of the most important ones is because it seems like individuals outside in the world tend to Mm -hmm. get overwhelmed and bombarded. And oftentimes we need community in order to remind ourselves how God sees us, because we, we live in a world that's constantly bombarding us and inundating us and telling us certain things. And so I think a community, especially a Christian community, is able to assist to remind people of the promises of God. You know, a community is great when you can bring people in and encourage them so that they then can move out into the world and radiate that truth onto other people. But I think it can get muted or dull the less time they spend in community.
0: So you're saying that we need to be a part of community in order to be able to portray the community?
1: Yeah, I would say that that's important. I mean, if you're not a part of it, how are you going to share that with other people? You know, like, oh, well, I want to invite somebody to my church. Well, how are you going to do that if you can't share with those people what you enjoy about church? And one of those things can be, hey, we're a group of people that get together to encourage each other. We tackle life together. And we'd love for you to come and join in. Come and see what that is like.
0: Yeah. So the community that you're talking about here, uh, Mike, as, as a community that you'd see is important, a community that you think is is a big deal. If we're looking at how the church responds to each other, you're saying that we're coming alongside each other, that we're helping each other. That, that we are a place where we can recharge the batteries, where we can feel comfortable and get each other excited and ready for mission, where yeah. we can experience the true fellowship that Ryan was talking about earlier. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Ryan?
2: I mean, kind of related to that, I think I think what comes to my mind is that as spiritual beings, we're designed to be in community and not isolated. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important. And I think we're in a culture that's increasingly self-isolating screens social media i mean which we think draws us together i think has really dismantled our ability to communicate and connect and the church christianity discipleship it is all you know community runs through it it's based on community and that now is like a countercultural movement mm. in a good way
0: mm. totally agree so i have some questions even along that line though too right so we talk about how absolutely screens and these different things that are designed to make us more individualistic, right. That to focus on ourselves have done damage to community. What are the things in our churches? And this is a question that I think all of us can be asking, but what are the things in our churches that are like screens in that they're just things that we've accepted. There's things that have come to normal, like things that we just do things that are part of church culture or whatever that fight against a community that helps the church respond to each other and to those who are coming in the doors for the first time? What are just natural things that have taken place that have grown in our churches over time that are causing us to be more individualistic as opposed to responding to each other well?
1: I have one that really pops into my brain. It is thinking that the marquee or the church sign is enough in order to get people to come in the door. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people are like, well, we put that up on a sign as opposed to realizing that we are being called to be the missionaries. And what a sign does is it actually turns the outsider into being the missionary. They're the ones who have to go into the church they're the ones who are making that step Mm. into the unknown where we are the Mm. ones who are called to do that and so i think at at points some people get trapped into thinking that a sign is enough oh well we we Mm -hmm. put it up there therefore people know what's going on in our church if they wanted to come they would Mm -hmm. as opposed to realizing like it's Mm. the verbal invitation and telling people Like, hey, our church is, I'm really excited about this thing. Do you want to come and join me in it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love being able to spend time doing this with other people. Would you want to come and Mm -hmm. and check it out? Check it out with me. Mm
2: -hmm. Something I think about, and I don't know if I have the right words exactly for this, but I think about maybe it's that we, I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget the focal point of our community. Especially Hmm. for those of us who have been a part of the church for a long time, we maybe have made our focal point around the relationships we already have, rather than around our mission or ministry, Mm -hmm. our purpose as a church. And I think that shifts away from, makes it harder for other people to join our community because then becoming a part of the community is not having an affinity for your mission or purpose, wanting Mm -hmm. to be a part of that. It's, have you known me for 40 years?
1: You got to be in the clique.
2: Yeah, are you in my friend group that I've had for a generation or are you in my extended family? Right. Or do you have the same ethnic background that I have?
0: Yeah, I think those are totally... We go to church and, and we we kind of have these little areas where we feel comfortable. I think we do a better job at building our communities for how the church responds to each other than we do for those who are coming in the doors for the first time. But if we're able to yeah. frame our church... Like how our church responds to each other so that those who come in the doors for the first time can feel comfortable, then we're starting to get somewhere. Right. So, like, for example, yeah. one of the ways that we've kind of worked against some of that is is in our small groups. So we had like our men and women's Bible study that we had that ran for a while. And now what we've done is we've basically put time limits on things, right? So it's we're gonna meet in this person's house now, and we're gonna meet in this person's house. We're gonna do it on these two, three different days, whatever. It's going to go for this length of time. And then our leadership's going to change. The people who are hosting is going to change. We're going to encourage you to go to a different group. Like we want people to get to know each other mm-hmm. so that the people in the church can get to, so that it kind of breaks against that, that click a little bit, that, that group that's been together for so long in what ways, I mean, I, I think our small groups is, is a big part of that or our life groups, whatever you want to call them where it's like, mm-hmm. all right, this is where we click in, but now we're in that click right now we have that group and even I mean, I fell into it at one point where we named our young adult group Thrive, right? We named it a name. Well, then we would say from the pulpit, and Thrive meets at this time. Well, if someone's new, they got no bloody idea what Thrive is. They have no clue what that is. And so, oh, are you going to come to our young adult group? Well, I don't know what that is because we gave it a name. We, we made it something for the community in our church, but it wasn't something that was welcoming to those from the outside because it wasn't obviously there. Yeah. And so we had these things set up. So, that yeah. when people came into our church, they already felt like they were on the outside of the community. Yeah. They were already on the of outside of the club. Yeah. yeah. And it, it wasn't anything we were trying to do like intentionally, like exclusion. That wasn't it at all. We're just, hey, let's come up with a cool name because that's what we do because it's fun and it's a chance to be creative and it bonds us, right? It bonds those of us in the group. It builds our community mm-hmm. tighter. Mm-hmm. But we have, there's a danger of building our community in the church tighter. And, and then making it so that it's harder for those who are coming in the doors for the first time or the second time. And they don't want to come the third time because they don't know how they feel and how they fit. So it's something I think that's important for us to ask is what is the first impression that people get when they come into a church? Is the church community on a Sunday morning designed to meet the needs of the people in the pews? Or is the community there to welcome the new people, right? What do you guys think?
1: Yes. Yeah. It's got to be both. The good Lutheran answer, (laughs) both and, baby. Both Both and, baby. Yeah, but it's it's got to be both. And yet, (laughs) what do we build better for? Honestly? Yeah. We build better to accommodate the people who are already there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think a question that I've tried to challenge myself with quite a bit is, like, does my church feel like a club? Is it a place for, like, me and my friends And is it a place that others feel like they can plug in well? Or is it a club? And that isn't to say that, again, we need to feel like we belong in that community too, right? So that we can encourage each other, so that we can be there for each other, so that we can be a part of the community that our church is building. But if it's a club, like if it's a place that makes it feel like there's like a... No, whatever, you know, like, like when we were little boys, no girls allowed. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you're, when you're five or six, it's whatever, but when you're a church and you, you know, like, I don't know any churches that are going to be like, nah, we don't want to reach our community, but then we just naturally design things to enforce our in church community. That is in a way that it benefits us and it's helpful for us. And that's not all bad but are there ways to meet our needs and the needs of those outside the community so that they can feel welcome to come in mm-hmm. and and how are we doing that and what ways are we pushing ourselves to do that what does that look like
1: i think having a clear statement too one yeah? that your people can rally behind is super important so like at our church our new i guess we can call it a slogan is a community connecting people with Christ. And so Sweet. that is what our people know we are actively trying to do regularly. Mm-hmm. And they can say that to themselves as they move forward through life, that we are a community that connects people with Christ. And I think so having like a clear Vision statement or a clear statement that people know is there and that they are a part of is probably a really, really good first step. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that's fantastic. I think another big thing is, and it was something that was brought up to me while I was here. I had a friend come to church for the first time and he's like, Do you have a sign anywhere that says, Welcome to Calvary, which is the name of our church? Like when you would walk into our front doors, it was all these pictures of like our missionaries and all these different things. And those are like, those are good things. It's not bad to have those up. That's a good thing. But the first time someone would walk into our door, the first thing that they saw was all this stuff. They had no idea what it was about. They had no idea what any of this was. And they immediately felt like they weren't part of the club. Mm -hmm. They didn't belong. Mm -hmm. So we took those things and it's not that they're unimportant. We just moved them to a different area and we put up, Welcome to Calvary. And we put up here's what the sermon's gonna be about today. Here's who's in nursery. Here's who's in children's church. Here's what the sermon title is. Here's our announcements. Cool. Thank you for coming. So it's it's much more plain, but it's when you come into the church, you know that it's for the visitor. It's for the people that are there too. They want to know who's in the nursery, right? They want to know what the church service is. I got people that ask those like totally. It isn't unintentionally exclusive. And I think that our churches, we can struggle sometimes with being unintentionally exclusive. And what does it look like to open our eyes and to be like, oh, like we didn't even know that, right? Like that wasn't even something that was on my radar until my friend was like, so I kind of felt this way. It's like, oh my goodness. We've been building our church community around those in the pews. And again, that's important. But in what ways can we meet their needs? Plus those who are coming in for the first time and welcoming people into the community that we have.
2: Yeah, I think that's such an important point. Another thing I was thinking about how you can do that is to emphasize team-based ministry and make sure that you give permission for and you model that care isn't just something that the pastor does. Yeah. That that's something we're all responsible for. Otherwise, you may have a situation where no one feels responsible to Build new relationships and build community and, and help it to grow and thrive, because they assume or think the pastor is taking care of that or somebody else is or it's it's not even an issue. Mm-hmm. This is another little thing, but I think you know, kind of along the lines of what you guys are saying, is avoiding code words like you like you're saying, like special yeah. names for things. That's kind of look around. what I know? Would I know where to go if I was new? Would I? understand what this ministry does by hearing its name.
0: Do I have good sighting in my church? Is it clear where yeah. the bathrooms
2: are? Right? Yeah. Like those are big things too. You know, that might get poo-pooed as being seeker sensitive, right? But it's actually helping people feel included who have mm-hmm. never been there. Right. On a macro level, we can understand that like at an airport or a baseball stadium. Are you guys proud of me that I named a specific sport, by the way? Well do you
1: name a team? Yeah. Can you name a baseball uh,
2: team? um the Yankees. Proud of you.
0: Now I'm there not you. Thank go. you very much. Like that was the low-hanging fruit. <clears throat> like that was right
2: there. I'm still so like... proud of
1: them though. Like
2: <laughs> I was playing a trivia game in my in my small group a couple weeks ago, and I mistakenly called the Edmonton Oilers a football team. Oh. There you go. Uh, I'm sorry. Do you
1: know what they are though?
2: They are a hockey team.
1: Very good. Right, yeah, up. they are.
2: I've, I've okay, so you way. said the
1: New York oh, Yankees. Okay, so yeah, yeah, wait, Yankees. Wait, wait. Hold on, no, 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 I don't want to leave this yet. You said the New York Yankees. Can you name <laughs> one player? No, that has ever played on the Yankees. Period. Oh,
2: ever. Uh, period. Sure. Ever. Babe Ruth, uh Mike, uh, Derek Jeter.
0: Aaron oh, just live Aaron for
2: low Judge? Aaron... Mike, Mike Aaron Judge, Judge? Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Oh my! Aaron goodness. Judge. Look He's a current guy. one.
1: Look, Look at this guy!
2: One. Just an encyclopedia of Yankees players over here. I'm, I'm simply overhearing my sister and my dad talk. That's all. Just hitting the decades, bro. So proud of you. Yeah, that, that's, you that's as good as it gets with me. Sorry. So proud of you. Anyway, yeah, I got that wrong. But anyway, like you go to an airport, you go to a stadium. You may have never been there before, but you can get around because of the way it's, the place is built and designed, and the signs. And even though you're a first time visitor, you may be faceless and nameless. You're still part of something. There is still community yeah. there. You're cheering with everyone else. You're booing with everyone else. You're happy. You're sad with everyone else, you know, at a stadium. And the same thing at an airport too, right? You're yeah. sad if you're delayed. You're yelling yeah, at everyone and Everyone true. else. Even though you just delayed think of that again. as this big, empty, you know, voidless place, there is still a a level of community that's going on there. and And we can't forget that in our church families.
0: I think the last point that I would really want to bring up on this is, is in order for us to build a community that our visitors are going to feel welcome in, is we have to know what the community outside our church looks like. And like, that can be difficult. Some of us, that's really easy. Right? Some of us, we just, we totally know. And other churches, we may not know anymore, or we may think that we know. And then we go out there and we're like, oh my goodness, this is a different world than it was when I was out here last, you know, I don't know what that looks like for, for each of us, but, but yeah, I, I, I just think that that is something that we need to challenge ourselves with. And, and our communities are changing. They're going to continue to change. So if you've built your welcoming community for a community that no longer existed, right? So if the community inside your church that is supposed to be welcoming people from outside is geared for what your community looked like five years ago, it might be different now. And, and that's something that we need to continue to, to be evaluating, continue to be exploring, and to continue to be adjusting for.
2: Well said, sir.
1: All right. Are we ready for some community gospel? I think so. Allow me to share some community gospel with you guys. So this is found in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. It says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Capital D. D D-A-Y. The day of the Lord. Thanks, Mike. Everybody, thanks for
2: listening to Grace for the Grind. So great to have you here today. Be sure to subscribe, hit the like buttons, share with a friend, and tune in next time. And before you go, we want to leave you with some special words. Here's a benediction for you.
1: Benediction from Romans 15, 5 and 6 may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in according with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Catch you later, everybody.